And so those of you who have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God that the Holy Spirit strives to and desires to reveal to us. But for this, it is necessary for our heart to be prepared. This preparation consists in uh, thirst. If a person is not thirsting to hear the Word of God, does not prepare his heart to listen to the Word of God, then this offends the Holy Spirit and he cannot put any seed into his heart. Matthew 5, 45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. <laughs> the sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. When a person pays attention to the first words, his heart is calm, that you may be uh, sons of your Father in heaven. They say, we are the children of God, we are the children of God. But no one looks further. <clears throat> you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. If you are not perfect, or I as our heavenly Father, then I am not a child of God. And so you need to then ask the question, ask the people who sing, uh, <clears throat> We are the children of God and we're happy, but in his heart there's jealousy, bitterness, hate, and not being satisfied with how much he earns or his position in church or his position in the household. He's always unhappy, but he sings he is a child of God. And when you ask them, are you perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? Can a person be on earth here in this mortal body perfect? Uh, this specific question you can ask. And a person, that person will respond, it's impossible to be perfect. We will only be perfect in heaven. I've asked such questions, and they would say, here we don't understand, but there we will understand everything. Uh, here we can't understand. We see everything as in a dimmed mirror, but there in heaven we will understand everything. But uh, this is not according to Scripture. This is a perversion of the truth. When you're a carnal person, one who's an infant, you... Uh, your mentality was as a child, you thought as a child and were as a child, and that's why you looked as in a dim mirror. But when you became a man, having left uh, the spirit position of spiritual infancy, you see <clears throat> as not uh, guessing like in a dim mirror, but what you see clear. Here, if you didn't understand it, you won't understand it there. Any truth that he reveals, it will be actual in heaven within those parameters in which we understood it here and comprehended it here. In other words, the truth that we understand is treasure. This is the heavenly currency. However, much of this heavenly currency, if you can't have more of it there, if you didn't have it here, how can you have more of it there? How can you understand there what you, you didn't understand here? When a person leaves a spiritual infancy, he begins to understand uh, what was previously uh, as you would in a dim mirror. Therefore, I shall remind us that the perfection of the Heavenly Father is that He shines with the sun upon the 
evil and good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust and this means according to scripture that when he shines his sun upon the righteous he gives them uh, warmth he takes he cares for them he doesn't burn them but when it's the evil that the sun is upon it kill uh, the sun kills them burns them when he sends his rains on the just he gives it to them timely and in measure but when he sends his rain upon the unjust he gives it untimely and not in measure or doesn't give it at all and so this promised commandment to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect is the inheritance of the saints of all generations and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the power of the person sent by God over themselves, but call themselves the students of Christ, have no part to the inheritance of the commandment, and most likely will never be able to have it. And the reason for that is because to be a child or a student of Christ, you need to be a student of one that has the mandate of Christ. As uh, Jesus said, as uh, as the Lord sent me, I send you. The ones that you you forgive the sins, they will be forgiven. The sins that are retained you sh- uh, will be retained. Uh, for all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So you can't be a student of Christ not being a student of a person that He sent. You don't see Jesus here physically on the earth. How can you be His student? You could be a student of the person whom you see, a visible person. God has left these people for us. You need to pray the church. We need to... Uh, pray, I don't mean those here only, but those that listen to us, pray in your churches the person whom you've selected by the matter of vote, is he truly an apostle of Christ and has the mandate of Christ apostles of Christ are not elected by the majority vote and they do not have pension because this is uh, some kind of devil work then to uh, retire and receive a pension. Imagine Apostle Paul saying, I'm sorry, now I'm going to start receiving a pension, I retire. Um, imagine he would just sit there as a great cardinal as others take the, the role. Until the last day, he remained an apostle and the church looked to him and received from him and through him, by uh, listening to him, Peter, and Jacob uh, or, or in, these are people that uh, only here on earth people can retire or so forth but people are are doing these kinds of things in the in the Old Testament people or in the olden days even in the New Testament people did not uh, retire because every person had his own work they had their own business they had their own flocks, they had their own lands, how is it that he can retire? Uh, The animals need to be cared for, and so people did that all their life. Uh, If you, of course, want to uh, retire, you then hire people uh, to do that work for you, but you still need to show them and teach them uh, to work uh, and receive something uh, from God. You need to work. Uh, the government, uh, of course, then, as we know, uh, they deduct from your paycheck uh, uh, your retirement money and so forth that they can then give you later when you retire. A person who is uh, sent by God 
through whom God sends his word, uh, it's not some, it, it isn't that this person can then retire and it is given to someone else. Apostles uh, never desired authority either. When a person was selected by God for service, these people were afraid and would say, Lord, send someone else. They didn't see themselves in authority. They understood that this is a great responsibility. And so God would tell them, if I chose you, that means I know what I'm doing. But Lord, I don't have this. Moses said, I am a clumsy in words. I need to speak. And he said, God said to him, do, you, do I not know that you are clumsy in words? And Moses uh, tried to have God heal him. He, want to, he wanted to provoke God. And so God said, you have a brother, Aaron, who was not clumsy in words. You will speak to him, he will speak to the people. And so when God selects a person, he, it's not important uh, how well you may uh, speak wor uh, words or how you may not maybe pronounce something as, as accurately or perfectly, but the right thought is what matters. It's important that, uh, that a person understands the thought, the meaning of what God wants to say. Relevant to the fulfillment of this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man. Specifically, the goal is that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue, and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets where we die by the law, for the law, to live for the one that died and resurrected. We, by the body of Christ, die for the law, by the body of Christ. Christ dies uh, by the law so he can free us. It is not by our deeds we die. We die by the body of Christ. We die in Christ. And so it is Jesus who, sub who uh, goes down to hell, submerges to hell, and we with him. And we are protected in Christ in hell and because we are in him. And this is so we can be freed then from the hell that is within our body, that is our old person with his deeds. This raiding sin, this corrupt desires, this is the hell that is in a, in a person. And so to remove this hell from our body, Jesus pays the price for these sins and places us into himself, into his death. But he can't place us automatically. We need to collaborate with him with the cross of Christ with the blood of Christ. The blood cleanses a person from sin. The cross separates a person from the producer of sin. The different uh, roles that the blood and cross have. And so if you continuously will concentrate upon the blood of Christ, you will never be separated from the reigning sin in yourself. The old person is the carrier of the program of the fallen cherubim who that has been passed on to us by the sinful uh, conduct or life of our fathers in the flesh. And so how we die for the law, by the law. We by the body of Christ died for the law. And so the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant in the death of Jesus Christ because Jesus is the word of God and he uh, is the tablet of the covenant tablets of the covenant 
when Moses broke these tablets, he didn't do this because he wanted to or because he was angry. He did this according to a revelation. God told him, break these tablets. He received a revelation and he broke them at the foot of the mountain. He couldn't come to Israel with these tablets because these tablets would have killed Israel. In order to save Israel, someone needs to die for them. And this is the broken tablet, the living this is uh, the son of Je- uh, son of God, Jesus Christ, who died for his own, for warriors in prayer, for all the people, the children of Abraham, because Abraham is the father of all who believe. So he, you, they can then live for the one that died and resurrected in the new tablets. And he, then he told Moses, carve out new tablets. And in those new tablets, he presented to them the Ten Commandments in which was the law of grace. And so we receive in the in the broken tablets uh, Jesus Christ, and we die by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected. That is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and by doing so, receive confirmation of salvation in new tablets of the covenant, in the format of the law of the Spirit of life, so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like He gave it to Abraham and his seed. That is the promise of peace. No one is able to receive it uh, with the first tablets that were broken. By the law of Moses, it was not possible to receive the promise of peace. The law of Moses did not bring peace. It brought condemnation, and that's why it was called the service of condemnation and not the service of peace, the service of justification. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. And so an heir of peace is an heir of righteousness. We note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent and the person who is a father from God to us. The faith of God is knowledge, information that comes from hearing the word of God. Our faith is the unquestionable obedience and fulfillment of what we hear. All is within, out. Uh, it is out of the aspect of our feelings. It is within the spiritual realm. And with the spiritual realm, the power that is in the new person, you are called to lead your feelings. Because I often say, our feelings do not have a mind. You don't need to subject to them or obey them uh, doing what they want, saying, oh, I feel this. You then, you you serve with your renewed mind, uh, and with your mind you're trying to serve your feelings. When people call me f- uh, from other countries, other churches, and ask, what do I do? And they begin to talk about feelings, I feel, I feel. But I ask them, why, why are you relying on your feelings? They don't have a mind. Lead your feelings. Control your emotional horse. It is sufficient that you be led by your emotions. Uh, your feelings, you say, I love God with these feelings, but these feelings are corrupt. Uh, with these feelings, uh, tens of people have come to me, men and women would say, what do I do when I look 
at men or at women and I see them naked against my will. When I see women, I undress all of them. And with those very feelings, you love God. Is it possible to love God uh, with such feelings that then also do the same things? To have these terrible things. Imagine a person can't live. Uh, I can't look at any woman because I look, I, I, I put my eyes down because I, I can't control it. And this is, it says, put to death uh, these uh, sinful uh, desires. This is something you were born with. This is not a demon that you need to drive out. This is what you need to bind in yourself in order to be cleansed by uh, from him by the uh, blood of Christ and be freed of him entirely with the cross of Christ. And so our faith is obedience to the information that comes from hearing the word of God. This information, this knowledge is God's faith. And so the, uh, the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men who are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which he then sends us his words by the mouth of his delegated ones. The covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God these are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. It is, it is by the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace, presented in the inheritance of peace, is called to abide and be within the heart of man, evidence of the fact that we are children of God. If we don't have God's covenant inside of our heart, we can't be uh, the children of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace, abiding within the covenant of peace, because the covenant of peace is a covenant, and this covenant has a treasure and it has position. How can you with this treasure, how can you use this treasure? It is called faith, but in this uh, covenant, in this treasure, uh, all of the promises are. This is not just an atmosphere. When Christ says, I give you my peace, he means I give you all of my promises, everything that is from my Father he gets given to me, I give to you in the covenant of peace. And so, the achievement of this peace is the given to us, is the goal of the given to us righteousness. It is righteousness by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace that, is, uh, that can and is called to guard our minds uh, and our hearts in Christ Jesus because our mind and our heart uh, they inflame our emotions and they corrupt them an evil heart that is not cleansed from there are evil thoughts they come into the mind and the mind begins to burn and go and impacts the feelings the feelings are then uh, inflamed and a person can't do anything For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Romans 8, 6 through 8. So everything that relates to the flesh, and when we incorrectly use God's gifts, when we're talking about healing, gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, all of these things are given for the life in the in the body and uh, these are a carnal mind 
we need to think about uh, the will of God and what is heavenly and God's will is Heal, healing you it's not my will it is God's will and when I from this angle approach this then I uh, am in the invisible world or I'm, I, be, I enter it or am a, pre- a part of it thank uh, God says thank me for your healing a person can 20 years walk around sick and thank God for his healing God says I have healed you I have placed healing upon your account in Jesus Christ and when I will heal you allow me to decide that we are trying to decide for ourselves when we need to be healed and if that's not enough we decide how we need to be healed I thought that he will come will uh, call out the name of God put his hand on me but he sent his servant go and bathe in the Jordan could I not have bathed in the rivers of Damascus which were pure and it's good that he had good uh, servants uh, uh, symbolizing his thoughts why is it that you're resisting this command or this uh, instruction and so they were telling him it's not a very difficult task that they've asked you to do uh, just go and do it and so he did he, ba- he, he bathed in it and he was changed and healed he was waiting until a prophet comes to him but then after he was healed he himself came to the prophet he went down from his chariot and bowed down before the prophet and he then said master Allow me to take some of the earth, uh, the, some of the soil of Israel, because I will no longer offer uh, sacrifices to other gods, but only to the God of Israel. And then he asked, when I go into my land and my master uh, tells me to bow uh, before the idol, I'll bend, I'll bow, but may the Lord forgive me as I, when I do this and Elisha said go in peace imagine the children of God many are uh, a, they have a master the old person and when uh, they rely upon him uh, they reg- they're obligated to bow before him and so a person that says, Lord, you know that I hate this, I don't want to do this, and he's, and the person says, forgive me. Uh, and, and the Lord says, I understand, I forgive you. And so, But the Lord says, eventually I want you to stop being Naaman and uh, finally not rely upon your old person, the idol in this situation. According to this place of scripture, we conclude that people that refuse the condition where the truth of the preached word and the power of the Holy Spirit would renew their mind by the spirit of their mind have no part to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people have no part and cannot have any part to the sons of peace who by the means of the peace of God would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend well that only collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind that is within Jesus Christ, we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. 
Relevant to this, we stop to look at the fourth question, by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God? Because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves that we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. If you can imagine for yourself, peacemakers are carriers of peace everywhere they are between two sides that are fighting. These two sides cannot fight. They, uh, this peace will be in the way. If there are three individuals and two are fighting one uh, with the other, but between them there's one who is a carrier of peace, he will reconcile them. He'll never spread bad information from one about one person to the other. This one will say, "Do you know?" How bad this person uh, treated me? What did they? What they did to me? He may hear it, but he'll say, "You need to forgive him, because if you don't forgive him, you'll lose the kingdom of heaven." Drop all these things and forgive him. Ask the Lord to heal your heart. Let us pray together about it, if you want. And yes, he did this, but he is our brother. He is our sister in Jesus Christ, or she is our sister in Jesus Christ. They have something. They came to the, this person came to the truth. And you think this is this person and that is at fault, but he is not at fault. It is that uh, even people in the world often understand these things, but uh, children of God do, do not. One poet once said, uh, that if a horse, say, would be stumbling and stumbling again, do not blame the horse, but blame the road as, uh, and don't ch- change them out very quickly or try to change them out. Uh, let's not try to lose one another. This is just an example of saying that we need to not lose one another. And God wants to uh, boast before the devil and the world and his angels how we can forgive one another. But this happens by the peacemakers. We need to be those peacemakers. If a person has not died for his nation, the house of his father, and for his destructive or corrupt uh, life, he cannot be a peacemaker because the justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee will never be able to turn into the quality and format of righteousness where he would be able to receive uh, the righteousness of peace. In order to bear within your righteousness the fruits of peace, it is necessary to be clothed into a student of Christ if this will not happen the crown of righteousness will be taken from you giving you the right to the promise of peace where you would be able to be called the son of God behold I am coming quickly hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown Revelations 3.11 what do we have? we have justification and if you have not turned it to profit you then uh, uh, if you 
then you don't have the righteousness of God. If you have received it, hold fast and keep it. This is as in a military uh, doctrine that's given. Uh, it is told to them, be very attentive during the time of battle. If you have achieved a specific uh, rank, say, in, in, in or a authority or <clears throat> control of some uh, area, you come in, you take control, it is easier. But what is more difficult is to keep this uh, territory that you've overcome, they've taken authority of, because the person will come back or the enemy will return, return, trying to take it back. But you'll, you'll say, but I forgave. Uh, but this uh, fence will continue to come back upon you and upon you as if someone said something, you heard something, and suddenly the heart uh, starts hurting again. And the devil again shows you this entire image or picture, how unjustly someone was with you, how, uh, how they behaved with you, said something to you. You need to get on your knees and say, Lord, don't pay attention to my feelings, I've forgiven this person according to your word. I've used my right, my right to choose, uh, my will and my abilities, my intelligent abilities. I've made the decision. Using these, I made a decision to forgive, and I tell my emotions to be silent in the name of Jesus Christ. And you begin to thank God, and suddenly this will depart from you. Suddenly, someone says something again. Again, it falls upon you. And to hold on to it is harder, but once this happens again and again and again, and you then remain on this uh, height, uh, that then you will begin to take the, the uh, try to take hold of the next level. There are a lot of areas that the devil uh, has taken over, and they are as a cemetery in our heart, and we need to take back these areas. <laughs> And so many want to uh, take the crown from you. It says hold fast. We need to remember that the promise of the peace of God obtains its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of our faith in the covenant of peace, which portions responsibility upon both sides of the covenant, where each side is responsible to fulfill their role that is implemented by God in the written word of the covenant of peace. <clears throat> and if one of the sides... I was, we often say breaks the agreement that is made in the covenant of peace between God and man and we note that the only one that can break it is a man then the other participant of the covenant is God he being unchanging in his word becomes free then from the responsibility of fulfilling his part of the agreement that was made in the covenant of peace the fruit of righteousness is identified within our heart as the peace of God and this is evidence that we are the sons of peace and this serves as a legitimate basis for God to fulfill His part of the covenant of peace that consists of leading us into the inheritance of His Son so that we can share with Him the achievement of all that is written about Him in the laws, prophets, and psalms. What is written in the laws, prophets, and psalms about the redemption of our body, the, just, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ? Because if it... If uh, this didn't affect the body, Jesus would not have needed to come. He died with the body to redeem our body. If he needed to redeem the spirit and soul, he did not need to die in the body. 
But when we receive the word of salvation, the seed of salvation, our spirit receives this. It is renewed. Our spirit is inherent to God because it is born from the seed of the word of truth. But our body and our soul remain the same. The same character, nothing's changing. Yes, the joy of salvation comes. And people often say, I became completely different. Yeah, this face shines because of this joy, but this is temporary. I've heard many of these uh, people, and yes, their face shines, but then their old person from within begins to, to rise up, and then they spin on the church and me and leave. A lot of people that would cry, called me their father, would repent, and then literally would spit and leave. And the reason is because the old person remains, the character remains, and you need to fight with him, you need to eliminate him. This is the promise that we need to share together with Christ because he has uh, already uh, overcome it for us and we need to share this reward with him. But for this to happen, our faith needs to be obedient to God's faith because justification that we have received by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth has changed into the quality and format of righteousness where we receive the ability to bear fruits of peace within our relationship with God and with those around us. As it is written, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That peace that we have with God, that very same peace we need to have with other people. You don't need to compromise with sin in order to have peaceful relationship with people. Uh, it says pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12.14 Here it's talking about a unique and unearthly peace that is to be done by God only within the boundaries of holiness <clears throat> and be an expression and demonstration of holiness. And the boundaries are the commandments of God containing the righteousness of God. That is why Apostle Paul writes in another place of Scripture, If it is possible as much de- as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12:18. <clears throat> Therefore, peace that we dare to or have the audacity to demonstrate using the ideas of our own mind out of the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness with other people will be incriminated as a heavy form of lawlessness for which we'll be then need to pay a price of losing eternal life because our fellowship or communication with people that these scriptures ascribe to corrupt company will perverse our our good habits and will transform us into their wicked image. Do not be deceived, your little company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 The misfortune is that a person chooses for himself who is a corrupt company and who is good company. He himself decides. He does not look at who, according to scriptures, corrupt company. If a person leaves the church, rebels, leaves, and speaks evil of the truth, he is a corrupt company. But a person says, well, what's so wrong? He just went to another church. I asked them, how did they go? What is he doing in this other church? We can read in another place of scripture in Hebrew, it's written, what will be with those people that abandon their church? 
where God has revealed to them who He is for them, what He's done for them, and who they are to Him. Not at every church will you hear this revelation. Many people are taking on to these very same phrases, uh, thieves, and speaking them in their churches. But they don't know how. They can't explain to the people who God is for them, what He's done for them, and who they are to God. They can't say that they're holy and righteous because how? If there's something living inside of me that I don't know I sin, that means I'm not holy, I'm not righteous. That's how they make that determination. But they still take those titles. They still take these phrases and use them. We don't have the right for ourselves to determine evil and good. This is what the Apostle will explain and uh, identify, will tell you what is e- who is evil and who is good. And according to Scripture, the Apostle spoke about who you need to have fellowship with and who you shouldn't. And why? Because these people are called corrupt company. But you say, no, they love God. They love God. They go to another church. This is very important. Therefore, it is impossible and criminal to have peace with the wicked and the lawless that support the wicked, who in their time had received the truth, but afterwards abandoned their church and turned away from the given to them holy commandments. The very fact of their rebellion and their hatred of the words given by the delegated of God that are placed over them testify of the fact that they have lost the peace of God in their heart and member them to the category of the wicked. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There's no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20-21. They left because they didn't have peace. If they had peace, they would not have left. If they were our own, they would not have left. But when they left, with this they have... Uh, demonstrated that they are not of us they're not ours in a specific format we already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign and this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God selective, not tolerant, love of God. God loves to lo- those who love him and hates those who hate him and there are a lot of places that uh, Uh, show this in the scriptures. He came to save those who love him. And those who love him are those who fulfill his commandments. Not that, I love you, O Lord. Lord, like Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. But Jesus says, Simon, if you love me, keep my commandments, tend my sheep. I tell you to tend my sheep. But you yourself had decided to go and uh, go fishing. I told you to be a, a fisher of men, but you went fishing and have uh, uh, drawn others to follow that. It's, instead of uh, fishing men, they fish. Uh, they go fishing for fish. And so to uh, catch people, you need to be a light to the world. If, when you're a light uh, to the world, it doesn't matter where you are. You don't need to go anywhere specifically. You already attract people to yourself because light is attractive. People see it. But if God needs to actually send someone, God will send his apostles uh, and not just those that are trained in some missionary schools. Uh, 
the rule of the peace of God within our heart put on lo uh, the, a love as that is the bond of perfection it says in Colossians 3 14 15 and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to also to which you also were, were called in one body and be thankful we've noted that according to this place of scripture the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God since in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind goals and works of God called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and His children. Comprehending the selective love of God is called to fill us with the fullness of the peace of God and make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect so that we as his clouds would be able to be directed according to his guidance either for correction or for mercy his clouds because they're those clouds that don't belong to God there are God's clouds and there are empty clouds that are carried by various winds of doctrine that promise much but give nothing the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture and seven unchanging virtues or elements by the preached word of the apostles and prophets. And these are virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. Each of the seven qualities of the fruit of virtue contain the characteristics of the rest of the qualities. They flow one from the other, complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. These seven qualities are called to be the moral perfection within our heart and an example that is inherent to the essence of God. When within our heart these qualities are present, we become a part of God's divine nature. The given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted to us through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. The given qualities are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ with which we need to become rich. We can be rich only from our heart. When it's placed into there and we can take from there, our heart is a treasury where these promises need to be put and from there we can then become rich by the fruit of our mouth. When we confess what is within our heart, we become rich. These words make us rich, they clothe us, they make us strong, they give the angels of God the ability to fight uh, for us with the devil and overcome. In order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The means that we are to use for receiving the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. By inheriting these great and precious promises, we become a part of God's divine nature. It is not our bodies, but our new person, <clears throat> by whom then our body will be transformed from a carnal body into a heavenly body. <clears throat> Since virtue and the selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love that is filled with egoism, is greedy, and is just temporary. The fruit of the selective love of God containing the format of the seven unchanging qualities listed previously, this fruit is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ, that is, into our new person. The element of virtue in the selective love of God has no comparison to the tolerant love of man.
Since the virtue of the selective love of God are eternally existing qualities, these qualities are the qualities of our Heavenly Father and His all-consuming holiness and all that comes from God because God is love. Or more accurately, He is a holy love separated from all that man calls love. And such an inaccessible for our mind transcendent love of God is identified in Scripture as the bond of all perfection, which indicates the fact that the selective love of God is placed by God first over the rest of His perfections, identified as His goodness. This is the Word of God that He has magnified above all His name, because in these words is where His love is poured out, in the words of God is where his love is poured out and that is why his word is magnified above all his name but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection Colossians 3.14 how do we put it on? by confessing who God is for us in Jesus Christ what he's done for us in Jesus Christ and who we are to God when you confess this these things you close yourself into the love of God because the demonstration of God's love is what he's done for us Look how God has loved us, for God so loved that He gave His Son, His only begotten Son. What has He done for us? And when you state this, you speak these things, thank you, Lord, that you have loved me in such a way that you gave His o- your only begotten Son for me, so that I may have eternal life. In this way, you confess what God has done for you. Thank you that you are my redeemer you are my strength you are my stronghold you are my fortress you are the rock of my salvation you are my deliverer you begin to state who God is for you and you say thank you that you have bore me and have made me your son you tell God who you are for him and then the Holy Spirit has the proper grounds to take these words and fulfill them upon you to make them reality the love of God is the foundation and the atmosphere of the moral and immovable law opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom and this is not all the love of God agape is a sovereign love which is unconditional when it comes to people it chooses and in its abilities to foreknow and predestined. The one whom he foreknew is the one he predestined to be in the image of his son. In a specific format we see here that the sovereign rights, uh, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects. And so the measure in which you allow him to, to have a relationship with you is the measure in which he will have a relationship with you. The sovereign love of God also never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated. These boundaries identified as a burning holiness. These seven characteristics that together identify within our heart the goodness of God in the perfection of a selective love, we have already looked at six qualities, therefore we'll immediately turn our attention to the seventh, and this is demonstrating the love of God agape in brotherly kindness, because it is not possible to demonstrate it out of 
brotherly kindness. In Scripture, <clears throat> show in your brotherly kindness love. In Scripture, the love of God agape as the virtue of God coming from brotherly kindness is contrary to evil that comes from hatred of the fallen angels and men that are within the power of these fallen spirits. Therefore, in the Holy Scriptures, the degree of the power of the selective love of God, which comes from brotherly kindness and reveals itself in brotherly kindness, is determined and exclusively is known by the degree, degree of the power of the hatred of God toward evil and evil doers who do this evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions, Hebrews 1.9, considering that evil demonstrating itself in man in hatred that comes from jealousy and arrogance of a man, and good that demonstrates itself in man in love that comes from brotherly kindness, are programs. Therefore, to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers, which are their programmable systems. As it is written, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one that loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals. He does not, God does not love just anyone and everyone and anyone in general. Fire and brimstone, any burning wind shall be the portion of their cup, for the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5-7, the wicked are those that were previously holy, but then rejected the holy commands that were given to them and began to say that they for themselves are God. When a person says that he with his mind is able to determine good and evil, he says that he is God. Because the prerogative of identifying good and evil is God's prerogative. He said, eat of every tree in the garden, this is my prerogative. Uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't touch. The devil deceives, says, no, you, if you eat, you'll be as God will be. And they became as the devil instead when they did. As gods, the word God, one of the words God, is a sovereign individual. The one that can make a choice or decision. And between God the Father, the Creator, and the gods that are sovereign, there's a difference. There's a big difference. And so that also needs to be paid attention to. Relevant to this, as in the previous elements, the virtue of God and His unique for us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in seven elements, we need to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the genesis and natural essence of the fruit of virtue that reveals itself in the heart of man in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose does the fruit of virtue have demonstrated in our faith in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape in our faith coming from brotherly kindness? And fourth, by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness? Relevant to this, we already studied seven components called to take part in the pour out of the love of God into our heart, studying who God loves and have now studied also seven components of who God hates and have been studying the signs that identify the genesis of the natural essence of the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith. 
in a specific format. We already studied six signs that therefore uh, of this of this and will immediately begin to study now the seventh sign. The seventh sign of the selective love of God, which comes from brotherly kindness within the atmosphere of which the peace of God reigns, is poured out into our heart by observing creation in the created by God world upon the con condition that a person is searching to know God. For since the creation of the world is invisible, world his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even this eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Romans 1.20 When you see the creation of God, we see God's love and when you see it, it's poured into our heart. It only works when we understand that. If a person is truly seeking God and to know God upon God's conditions, then the Holy Spirit will begin to open before him the unconditional nature of the selective love of God in the visible creation. But now ask the beasts, and they will teach you, and the bird of the air, they will tell you, or speak to the earth as it will teach you, and the fish of the sea will explain to you, who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Job 12, 7-9 If a person does not see God, and to know about God, upon God's conditions, then it makes no difference how a person sees himself, a Christian or an atheist. The love of God is not able to be poured out into his heart by the visible creation that is created by God. If a person is not seeking God or to know about Him upon His conditions, you will look upon creation, then the love of God will not be pouring into your heart if you're not seeking for Him. Just as the royal mystery of the Holy Scriptures is a demonstration of the goodness of, and the love of God, but the love of God is poured out from the Holy Scriptures only into those hearts that already have these, script, these Scriptures as a royal message and they abide within this royal message. Therefore, the great mystery of the Gospel of Christ consists in the virtue of the royal message that speaks of the goodness and kindness of God that is contained in the shadows and the symbols of the Old Testament. If a person studies the Gospel of Christ as the good news out of the format of its royal virtue, God will have no legitimate grounds to pour into the heart of a man his good news, lacking royal virtue in the unconditionality of his selective love. People have become used to what is the gospel, the good news, what is good news. This is not entirely accurate because this is a partial truth. It has the truth, but it's a partial truth. A partial truth is a lie. The gospel is not good news. It is a royal message. He was not preaching the good news, but the gospel of the kingdom. And for them, for one people it was good, for the other it was evil. The word gospel, you know where it came from, if you remember. <clears throat> it came in the became uh, in the royal em, uh, Roman Empire when Caesar Augustus called himself a gospel. Before then, it was never mentioned in the Bible. It is him who called himself gospel. The son uh, who was born from him was gospel, and those after Christ took from there this symbol to show what a gospel is. That this is. Uh, this is a royal authority. And so, 
he brought the message of the kingdom and those who will be born from him will be a king what he will say it will be uh, from a royal beginning and so Christ also and the Jews had taken many things from other nations and these uh, customs were used also by the Holy Spirit in some sense when the disciples sat at the table and ate and Christ told them one of you will betray me then Peter told uh, indicated to John because John was laying on the chest of Jesus do you know who and John found out quietly said the one that I will dip my bread and so they sat according to uh, Roman custom they were sitting around the table they would sit on the ground and there was a lower ta- uh, a table it was like a shorter table and each one laid his head upon the one uh, on the chest of the of the one that was behind them and so the one in front of the of you would would lay his head on your chest and so that's how that that is how they were seated the servants did not have the right to eat in this in this fashion because if this was a sacral custom that spoke of the fact that we are free kings and we're kings and so if they would have this they uh, it was forbidden but that's how Christ sat with his disciples and so when they show the table and there are there's artists uh, the artists uh, knew how they were sit- sitting, but they drew, drew it uh, in a different way uh, to draw away from the real way of what they, what was going on. The head of Christ was laying upon the chest of Judas Iscariot. And this book about the fact that I trust you, when I lay my head upon the chest of the other or shoulder of the other, in this way I say that I trust you, I'm free as you are free and we are one. I trust you. I'm ready to die for you. That is what that means. And so when we're talking about the gospel, we need to understand that this is a royal message and not just good and <clears throat> and well. Becoming familiar with the definitions of the unconditional nature of the selective love of God in the atmosphere of brotherly kindness within which the peace of God reigns, we've noted this unconditionality comes from the natural ability of God contained in his foreknowing. And now, question two, what purpose does the love of God fulfill being poured out into the soil of our heart that are in the implanted word of grace first calling up the calling of the love of god that is poured out into our heart in the words of grace have power so that all that believe in christ in this world would per- would not perish but have everlasting life for god so loved and i'll read this in the way it's correct for god so loved whoever believes in this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life john 3:16 so that the advocates of tolerant love which they ascribe to god not have a presence 
not have an indication or presence of doubt in their deception that they would be able to repent, I will bring forth two more places of scripture about the selective love of God, although there are more of them. But while we, he thought about these things, Joseph's uh, husband of Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 20-21. In the given conversation of the angel of the Lord and Joseph, the husband of Mary, we conclude that the born by her infant is not supposed to save the whole world, but only those who believe whom he calls his own. And he will not uh, decide who they are, but the Father will uh, show him who they are. When he found the apostles, he found them, according to a revelation from the Holy Spirit, the Father uh, pointed them out to Jesus. Uh, These are the ones you will pass on your mandate to later. This was not Jesus' role. It was God's role uh, to... And God is the one who showed <clears throat> them to Jesus. Husbands love their wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself glorious, a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she may be holy and without blemish before him. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. It is interesting that in the Hebrew, as in the original Greek language, to be a believer in God is to be under the care of or the supervision of the law of the grace of God. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.21 Considering that the law of grace is enthroned in the heart of man, the sin of uh, reigning sin is within man. Reigning sin is in man. In order to be free, uh, a person is saved, but his body and soul remain the same, and reigning sin is in the body. And in his body, there's no ability for the enthroning of the grace of God, but it can because it can only be done through righteousness. And so, in order for righteousness to be enthroned, he needs his justification that he received as a format of guarantee. He needs to sow the seed into the ground, die by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the body of Christ, for your nation, for the house of your father, and for your destructive desires. And when a person will do this, only then, this is righteousness. When you do this, you begin to perform righteousness. At this time, then the grace of God can be enthroned in the heart of man, in the good soil of the heart that is cleansed from dead works by the power of the cross, the blood of Christ, and the old person is eliminated so that the sinful body may be done away with, it means the eliminate, the power of the old person will be eliminated. Yeah, he, he's bound <coughs> and is not able to uh, affect you in any way. And so a person says he's uh, not under the law, but under grace. And so uh, it's rare that a person, God will reveal to a person uh, that were in error and did not believe the truth 
that, uh, that he reveals to them that they actually were under the law and not under grace. Many people that are buried also go to hell and they don't know about that. They only find out later that when they uh, are appear there. And there God says, how is it that you thought that you'll be in my kingdom when your my grace was not enthroned in your heart? You have bitterness, jealousy, and other things in your heart. You just covered it up and looked godly outwardly, but inside you were completely different. And so such people will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Considering that the law of grace is enthroned in the heart of man by the confessions of the righteousness of his heart, we conclude that until the heart of a man is not cleansed from dead works, you can't even speak of enthroning the law of grace in his heart. For the enthroning of the grace of God in your heart, it is necessary to be dedicated to God, demonstrating faithfulness to the law of the grace of God. Upon practice, this means to be reliable, firm, and immovable in the faith of God or to believe and trust in God. We need to keep in mind that God loves His creation. However, those people that are not obedient, people that are not obedient to the law of the grace of God contained in the faith of God, functioning within Christ Jesus, according to scripture, are seen not as the creation of God, but rather as the creation of the devil. This is sufficiently evident in the conflict that Christ has with the Jews that and the Pharisees right in the temple when they took stones in order to stone him, but he is in a supernatural way covered himself from them because it, the hour has not yet had not yet come. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. <clears throat> you are of your father, the devil. And so don't call all people that they are creation of God. The creation of God are the children of God that call upon the Lord. Those who do not call upon the Lord are the children of the devil. Those who are called are the children of the devil because they do not want to be the uh, chosen. They don't want to pay the price for the truth. They don't want to leave their nation, the house of their father, their corrupt desires. You are of, the, of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he, is a, he lies. He speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. When after the dissension of the Holy Spirit, the apostles clothed with the power of God began to preach in the temple about the resurrection of Christ and heal the sick in his name, right then... Right then, they were immediately arrested by the Sanhedrin, who, con who firmly and with threats forbid them to preach about the resurrection of Christ, and then Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, turned to them with these words. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good, for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. 
Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4, 8 through 12. Builders that replace their own personal righteousness in the works of the law by the, uh, with the righteousness of God, that is, by faith in Christ Jesus, are the sons of perdition, even though they call themselves Christians. And they are not God's creation, they are sons of the devil. Second calling of the the second calling of the I think our time is up for today, so we won't go on to the second calling. We will leave this for uh, the next service. Right now we will bend our knees and pray. I invite all the saints if the Holy Spirit in some way has touched your heart and you have seen that you are not right with God I offer I recommend that you come out here to the altar and the Spirit of God will clothe you with His mercy He will destroy the shackles of sin He will breathe new energy and hope into you because if you heard these words, this means that He loves you and you have hope, you have the opportunity to be freed from your corrupt desires, from bitterness, from all kinds of accusations that have been ag spoken against you. Let us bend our knees and pray. May the Lord bless us. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you, He's not against you. Even if all of hell has rose against you, even if your parents are against you, your children are against you, even if your husband is against you, your wife is against you, your close ones are against you, you appear that it appears to you that the whole world has gone against you, the Lord is for you.
Your eyes are closed. This is your secret room. Your hands are lifted to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath and without doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you as I am. My heart is wounded by sin that I hate. I hate my character. I hate my corrupt desires. I hate sin. I hate everything that is connected to sin. I am bound and I can't be free without your help. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. May the shackles of sin be destroyed, shackles of bitterness and lawlessness and perversion in my heart. I love you. I want to be free in my soul and my body. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessings of the ancient mountains that are the promises of your God. And may they be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.